welcome to Devil in the Details, so for Red Devils, independent fan podcast with me, Rob Pax, and joining the show this week as ever, Dan Robinson, right Dan? Alright, okay. You had a good week? Uh, yeah, not too bad, uh, recovered from, from Thursday, uh, but uh, roll on this Thursday, let's have a, a fantastic week. Yeah, another uh, week, another away day Red, it's Paul Whiteside on the show again, right Paul? Hey Rob, you alright pal? Another fantastic week for yourself? Yeah, I was gutted on uh, on on Thursday night. Absolutely gutted, but you know, we've heads up in it, and uh, all systems go for this Thursday. Yeah, uh, Warrington this Thursday at the AJ Bell. Dan, what have we got on the show this week? Uh, on the show this week, we've got the uh, the Wigan review uh, of the game on Thursday. Then we've got the news. We've got the amateur review. We've got the second part of our Carlo Napolitano interview, which was fantastic with him. So the second part is coming up on the show tonight, and then we're going to preview the Warrington game. Cool. So what we'll do, we'll. Uh... We'll start with the defeat at Wigan on Thursday night. Devil in the detail. So, Thursday night at the DW Stadium, Salford travelled to Wigan, Paul, and unfortunately defeated in the last minute. Yeah, we came up a bit short on uh, on Thursday night, and it was disappointing, really, because the, you know, the lads gave 100%, and uh, it was a game that was there for the taking, really, but it was a slow start. I mean, going 16-2 down, it was always going to be hard to, to claw our way back, but which we did do. And then to lose it in the last minute, you know, blooming heartbreaking, really. I was gutted on Thursday night. Yep. Uh, Salford started with uh, Gareth O'Brien at fullback, Justin Carner, Junior Sal, uh, Josh Griffin, Greg Johnson, Michael Dobson, Rob Lou, Ben Murray, Masala, Mark Flanagan, Josh Jones, Craig Cropjack, Tommy Lee, and George Griffin on the bench for Salford were Logan Tompkins, Ollie Krinicki, Jordan Warren, and Niall Evels. Uh, so, Dan, we had a strong side out there, but unfortunately, Wigan just had too much in the tank in the end. We did, yeah. And I was, you know, I'd said it all along. Uh, you know, I met Paul uh, during the game, before the game, and I said, you know, I really, really fancied us. But I, I thought the first half, we, we give them too much respect. You know, I thought, I thought we came into it where, you know, it's a big ground. Uh, you know, I think we did give Wigan a bit too much respect. You know, they had their penalties, but we had our penalties as well. But to, to come back into it, the game, you know, in the game, the way that we did, I thought it was remarkable. You know, we we stood up in counter and then to to lose it. You know, I, I actually remember saying um, to um, a few uh, the lads that was around us uh, that Tautai had dropped it because you could definitely see the fumble. And I think the the most frustrating thing was that we could all see it, all the other fans could see it, everybody could see it, apart from the four officials. Yeah. And, you know, that was a bit of a, a, a disappointing because we at least deserved a point. Yeah, well, I say, well obviously we'll come back, come to that uh, in a little while. Uh, Salford opened the scoring, though, Paul, with uh, Gareth O'Brien penalty. Uh, you know, a good start, you know, against Wigan, you need to start well and, and get the points on the board early. Yeah, but I couldn't help thinking at the time perhaps it's the wrong decision because we sort of had a couple of sets there and... I thought we should have kept kept running, but it's easy to say that now, I suppose. And it got us on the on the scoreboard, and it got got us in in the lead. But looking back on it now, perhaps you know, perhaps we should have run it, you know, the way we've been playing. But like Dan was saying before, it did look like we sort of we did give Wigan a bit too much respect. It was sort of like we were very cautious. I thought we played very cautious on the, on Thursday night. We didn't play with that that sort of flowing flowing rugby we played in the two home games against Saints and Widnes. But obviously, you're going to be cautious going away to a side like Wigan who don't lose many home games. It's a tough place to go. But I just thought we, we just want to have a better word. We lacked a bit of belief, I thought, on the, on Thursday night until until we did come back in the second half. And I think it was just, just a bit too late for us now. Yeah, uh, Wigan uh, took the lead, try through Oliver Gildart. Uh, you know, sweeping move across the field, Dan. Uh, Salford's defence, unfortunately, not able to get across in time and uh, Gildart goes over in the corner. 
Yeah, it was it was a bit scrappy the defence. I thought it was like you know it was like a dog sign leg once it. Uh, you know, they, they got the ball off a mistake from our end. Gelling sort of, you know, went right across the field and a few passes later and, and Gildart scored in the corner. So, you know, I was disappointed in the manner of it because I thought, you know, we'd done really well defensively uh, up until that point. And in all the previous games, we'd done well defensively. You know, and for them to, to get a try like that, you know, I was quite disappointed. But, you know, again, it was it was one of those games, I thought, once it was up-down, it was very uh, end-to-end stuff, the game, uh, which, you know, as a neutral fan, it was fantastic. Not so if you... You're a sulfur fan on the end of a, a disappointing loss. Yeah, uh, Gildart was at it again, uh, finishing off a sweeping move across the field, Paul. And Salford looking down the, the barrel at that point with a conversion by Matty Smith. Um, you know, at that point, what were you thinking? 10-2. Um, I was thinking at that point, we need to score next, really. I thought if Wigan get another one, we're going to be, be staring down the barrel a bit, really. But there was a lot of mistakes in that game. Considering it was a, it was a bone-dry night and a you know, decent pitch, there was a lot of knock-ons and... There was a lot of forward passes as well. It was, it was quite a stop-start sort of game, scrappy game really. But it was it was exciting. I mean, like Dan was saying, it's end-to-end stuff. It was, you know, really really exciting game. I mean, we've been there before, haven't we? And been absolutely hammered out of sight. So to be to be in the game there, you know, at half-time, I was thinking to myself, we need to score next. But but we were still in the game. We were still hanging in there at ten-two, definitely. Yeah, I think the thing that impressed me the most there, Paul, and we, you know, we, we touched on it last week, is we don't mind getting beat as long as we you know we look like we're in the game. And you know, to be honest, having reflected on the game, I thought. 2016 away to Wigan, all right, we've lost, but it isn't that bad. I mean, we've been there before and conceded, you know, 50, 60, 70, and we've come away really disappointed. And, you know, I think it's good momentum still. It's a good performance, especially the second half, you know, to show the character that we did. Uh, but, yeah, just, just very uh, disappointing. But having reflected on the game at the end, you know, on the journey home, I thought, yeah, you know, we've done ourselves proud there tonight. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and like you say, that it's still early days, isn't it? We've only played four games. And apart from that whole game, which was, you know, the first game of the season since then, I think we've made steady progress, haven't we, with the two wins at home? And I mean, all right, we've lost at Wigan, but there's, there's, there's good signs there, isn't there? I mean, Robert Louis again played well. You know, we defended well in spells. Wigan had a lot of ball on Thursday night, and they only yeah. scored 20 points. So I don't think we've got to be too too downbeat really I think you know we're making steady progress and we're going the right direction yeah uh, obviously Anthony Gellin uh, scored a try for Wigan at that point uh, Dan do you reckon obviously you know Wigan had a bit of a bit of a lead at that point do you think that sort of took the pressure off Salford and Salford opened up a little bit obviously the cavalry charge came after that yeah they did you know I mean that took them to 16-2 didn't it uh, just before half time but if I'm totally honest fellas you know I said to myself in the stand and I said to a few of the lads like I said around us you know, this game's not over here. We can score some points. We've had some good attack. We've had some good ball. You know, it's not over. And to be fair, even though they were 16 2 up, you know, the, the home fans didn't really cheer, didn't really shout. You know, it was quite quiet still. And I thought, you know, there's still a chance here. And then obviously, you know, we got a, a, a try just after our time. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's on the cards. Yeah, Junior Sal uh, collecting a little kick through. Uh, was it by Dobson to score? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a, Dobson, a little yeah. kick through Dobson, yeah. Yeah, Junior Sal, obviously, you know, uh, showing the farm of last season, Paul. Yeah, definitely, it was a good finish from Junior, but that it was crying out for the for the kick like that. Because I mean, I'm not going to slag Dobson off, but I thought his kicking was poor on Thursday. A lot, a lot of the kicks he kept dollying up these sort of kicks, and you've got uh, Gellin on there for uh, for Wigan. He's probably the tallest bloke on the pitch, and it was easy for him. You needed to put 
those those cheeky grubber kicks in and, and make Wigan work, turn and round, aim for the post, just try something different. And when he did, we scored from it. But I, I thought, you know, too many times on on Thursday we we let Wigan off the up really, you know, in you know defending. We we sort of went with a went with a daft option, but um, that was a that was a good finish from Junior. And, and he does, he looks um, he looks the part this season. He looks he's lost a lot of weight and he looks really really sharp. Yeah, Salford uh, were finding a bit of form and Josh Griffin Dan uh, dived over in the corner and there was hope on in the stands. Yeah, they certainly was, mate. You know the the fans at that point, you know, went into matches. Uh, you know, they really got behind the team. But we did we did the whole game, and it was a, it was a well worked try to be honest. Because I think everybody thought, you know, including us, that that Tompkins was going to pass the ball to the left, and it was just you know a sweeping pass to the right hand side, and and he managed to get around the defence. You know, and at that point, yeah, you know, I thought my predictions were going to come true. You know, because we we really got back into the game. Yeah, Logan Tompkins again, uh, Paul. You know, performing, giving the ball to. Uh... Griffin to score, uh, you know he's, he's been he's been a, an all bright sparker so far this season. Logan Tompkins worked really hard when he came on. Uh, I thought he tackled well, and he, he looks sharp as well, doesn't he? He's, he's a very good passer of the ball, you know, round the rook, and that his distributions are always first class. And I thought it was last season. And um, another, I thought it, it pepped up when um, young Nile Levels came on as well on uh, on Thursday. He speeded the game up, and he, he gave Wigan something else to think about in that last sort of fifteen twenty minutes. And like you say, it was a it was a good comeback, but it's just a shame we, we just couldn't hang on. I think I think with Logan Tompkins, it was sort of a a point to prove really, wasn't it? Because they had no McAlorum, they had no sort of you know proper number nine, and I think it was a bit of a well, you shouldn't have let me go type of thing, you know, because he did he did play well. Yeah, the wind was certainly in the Salford sails, uh, and Salford drew level with a great try from Ben Murdoch Masala, uh, Dan, you know, crashing over and, and sending the fans into raptures. Yeah, I mean, what what a unit that fellow is into. You know, he come on that ball, on, come onto that ball like a steam train. You know, he got the you know a nice little pass again from Tompkins, and I think it was uh, George Williams that tried tackling him. And you know, you look at the the size difference, and I think as soon as he got the ball, we all knew, you know, he was he was going to get over. But yeah, great determination, and you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him, you know, further on in the season because I think he's going to be really really powerful for us. You know, on the front foot, you know, he can certainly tackle. He was putting the you know the shots about. And yeah, you know, well deserved try for him. You know, he, he worked really hard the whole yeah. game. He put um, he put a belted little grubber kick in. I think it was the the set of six before that. Um, Murdoch Masala, lovely grubber kick. Chased his own grubber kick up, tackled the the Wigan defender behind the line. I'm not too sure who it was. Now was it Lewis Turner to yeah, get us a drop out? And I think we scored off off that set. But I mean, second row forward there, putting a fantastic kick in and chase. You know, the desire of him. I mean, and like you said, coming on like a steam train on that ball, and that stand erupted, didn't it? When Masala oh. scored, it was fantastic. You know, supporters diving all over the show. It was brilliant. It was just a just a shame we couldn't get the the drop goal we needed. Yeah, obviously, you know, being level at that point, Dan, um, you know, we was all, really should have been only been one winner. Um, unfortunately, Wigan, you know, got back in front um, through a you know, let's call it a bit of a dodgy try, play the ball, bit of a mess up there. You know, what, what was your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can call it a bit of a dodgy try. We can call it a definite dodgy try, to be honest. <laughs> right. You know, like I said, we all, you know, we all seen it in the stand, and you know, the thing that sort of confused me was the players stopped as well. If you actually watch the highlights and looking back, you know, he dropped it, and the, the players seemed to stop and look at the referee, and you know how he, he's that close to the game, and he's that close to you know the rook area. How how was you know the, the officials not spotted that? I mean, it's it's as clear as day that. The knock on, uh, and got you know, an in-goal in touch as well there. Yeah, I mean, right on even, the play. 
even Tautai gives himself up because he looks at the referee yeah. and then just plays the ball. So, you know, yeah, disappointing. And to be honest, I, I thought, you know, we could go up, at least get a drop goal to win it. But, you know, I, I thought we had another try in us. But that, that try sort of, you know, really killed it for me. And I think it killed it for a lot of the players as well because all the hard work they put in had, had been sort of ruined by, a, a, a you know, a really, really awful decision. Do you think, obviously, you know, getting defeats, well, the victory snatched away from you and, you know, they die in second fall like that, you know, do you think it's going to be a bit of a bit of pill to swallow, obviously, because it was a bit of a, a the wrong decision? Um, I thought when they scored that try in the corner, the lads didn't give up, though. That was in about the 77th minute, I think, that try, 78th minute. Mm. They they did a short kick-off from that and we got the ball back and we was attacking the line again, four points behind. So it just shows there, you know, the fight and the spirit in the team. They were never going to give up and they didn't give up all night long. And we, we did make some mistakes and some poor defending, but you can't fault the commitment of the players on Thursday night. I thought every one of them, the old 17 of them, you know, stood up there and went to us this a ground that we've ne- never won at. And a ground that we've not done very well at over the last sort of 18 years or whatever it is. And I thought they'd, they'd give a good account of themselves. And, and, you know, when we play Wigan at home in June, when the June game is, I think we can beat them. I think we can turn them over. I think we're going to get I think we're going to get better as the season goes on. Yeah, looking at the stats, uh, boys, Tommy Lee with 40, Mark Flanagan with 29, uh, Krunicki with 17, uh, Robert Louis got through a lot of work, 18, as well as Ben Mar- Ben Murdoch Masala. So, Wigan sort of testing our defensive uh, line. Salford having to make a lot of tackles, Dan. Yeah, we, we you know we put, we put a lot of effort in defence. And like I said, there were some sort of, you know, touching moments there when, you know, they did break the line quite easily. But, you know, again, we stood up and we were counted. And, you know, that, that's all we can ask for as fans, can't we, boys? Yeah, going forward... Uh... Justin Carney made 139 yards. Ross Griffin made 164. Robert Louis made 157. Um, so, yeah, big yards made uh, by Salford. George Griffin made 72. Um, Craig Kotchak did 61. So, you know, we made some big inroads into that, into that Wigan uh, um, side, Paul. Yeah, they certainly did. They, they worked hard 1-17. to 17. It was just... We were just a bit short, I thought. And like, like I said before... We do, in that first half, we just seemed to be, be cautious. We didn't seem to play the way we played, you know, the week before against Witness. And, you know, I thought Wigan were there for the taking. I mean, people said in the paper and I heard stuff on the internet and Sean Wayne going on about the injuries. But if you look at that Wigan side, they still had, you know, a lot of first-team players in there, international players. They were missing McLaurin. But he's, he's one fella. It was, it was a very strong Wigan side. That, and I think we, we did really well to to take the game that close and it just shows you how far we've come I mean this time last the end of last season we were getting hammered at Leeds by 70 points and we were really struggling weren't we and you know in a short space of time you know we're looking like a decent side now and you know it's exciting to see the progress we're making yeah Paul you said obviously you think you know we're a little short do you reckon you know the short turnaround uh, between the Saints game and, and this game do you reckon that could have been the you know the turning point really I don't know really because I mean we came on strong in the last sort of twenty minutes of the game. If if anybody there, I think if that game had gone on another 10, 10, 15 minutes, we probably would have won that game. So I don't know really, but um, I'm not so sure about these short turnarounds. I know I was a bit annoyed when I saw about Warrington. Um, they played Wakefield on Friday night, didn't they? And don't Warrington normally play Sundays? Mm. If they brought, did they bring that game forward on purpose because they were playing us on the Thursday? Possibly. Yeah, because I was thinking that because I thought you know a fixture list comes out at the start of the season, and it seems to me now like teams are sort of chopping and changing it out to suit themselves and 
to sort of gain themselves an advantage with the rest and all that, which is a bit naughty, really. But no, I didn't think it affected us. I thought we uh, we worked really hard, and if anything, we finished a stronger team. Yeah, Ian Watson in the press conference, uh, Paul. You know what? What did he have to say about it? Well, I've just got it wrote down, so I'll read it out to you. He says, do, you, do, you, do your best Ian Watson impression. I will do, I will do. <laughs> he says, I'm really disappointed with the way it ended because it looked like we should have had the share of the points. The fact that he knocked on at the last play of the ball before the score doesn't help and the fact that we could see it in the stand and the referee and his officials can't is a big disappointment. We gave them too much respect in the first half and you can't do that to teams like Wigan. You can't feel them out. You've got to attack them from the off. But in the second half, you saw what we could do when we have the right mindset. The guys realised at half-time that we hadn't played well, but we were still in the game. We just didn't have enough to come, to come through to the other side. It was bittersweet. We felt we had them on the ropes, but we didn't have enough to finish them off. Good teams like Wigan find a way to win, and we've still got to progress to that stage. Yeah, so mixed feelings there, Dan, uh, from Ian Watson. You know, a bit unhappy about the last try, but happy the way the team you know dug in and, and performed. Yeah, well, he's working on the positives, isn't he? Rather than sort of taking the negatives out of the game, he's trying to work on the positives. And it, it, it was a positive performance. And, you know, if we if we come into Thursday's game against Warrington, the way we have done, you know, the second half at Wigan, the, the Widnes game and the, the Saints game, and, you know, even parts of the whole game, you know, scored 22 points there. You know, I, I actually, you know, really do fancy us on Thursday. Yeah, I was look, just looking at the team stats. We made more metres than, uh, than Wigan. Uh, 1,200 metres, they only made one... 1,121 so like I say we made big inroads in, into into the Wigan uh, you know field and you know, unfortunately just like you say a bit of a dodgy decision running out of gas at the end you know a bit of a mixture of both uh, cost us the, the, the result uh, who was your man of the match uh, Dan? Um, I think for me I thought uh, Robert Lewis played really really well but uh, Masala uh, you know big unit I think he you know he stepped up in uh, defence and attack uh, so yeah, if if it was a pin it on one, I'd have to say, uh, big uh, big Benny. Big Benny, Paul, who, who would you pick? Oh, it's a tough one this week. I'd probably go with Robert Louis, really. Although I thought Tommy Lee worked hard again, tackled really well. I think he did about forty tackles, didn't he? So toss it between Tommy Lee and Robert Louis. But I thought, you know, Robert Louis is probably the, the standout player of the game, really. And what was a, a scrappy game. Um. He sort of controlled most of most of our play, so I'll probably go for Robert. And uh, yeah, I think we, we Robert as well. I mean, he's just been voted. It's come out today in the, the team of the month, hasn't it? You yeah. know, him and Craig Copjack. Right. So I think that speaks volumes for the, the you know the lad. And it was his birthday, so we'll give him man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From me, anyway. We've got your your three word match reports and, and man of the match. Just remember though, which is about ten minutes after the after the the dodgy decision at the end. So there is a few people raging about that. Um, Nicholas Fletcher said very poor mm. refereeing. Uh, his man of the match was uh, Coppy. Uh, Gordon Cook, happy but not. Uh, Andrew, he said defo knock-on. Uh, Alex Mid Midgley said blatant knock-on. Uh, Paul King, comedy knock-on. His man of the match was Benny Murder Masala. Uh, Daniel Ashton, ref's decisions baffle. His man of the match was Ben Murder Masala. Uh, Hitman Handle, he said cheated again. His man of the match was George Griffin. Uh, Nathan Archer, Stevie Wonder, disguise. Uh, his man of the match was uh, Ben Murder Masala. Chris and Janet Shenton, uh, three-word match report. Referee ruined it, um, and their man of the match was Ben Murder Masala. Um, anyone else? Shirley Hardlines. Uh, her man of the match was Ben Murder Masala. A lot, a lot of people going for Ben Murder Masala uh, as man of the match. You know, he, he, he obviously put in a big performance, Dan. 
Yeah, and I think that's you know, like I said, that's why I, that's why I liked him pretty really. You know, I thought he played really, really well throughout the entire game. So yeah, they were, to be honest, though, Rob, one to seventeen. You know, any of them could have got man of the match apart from the result. Mm. Uh, I can tell you who didn't get man of the match, and that was definitely Mr. Stokes. Yeah, he was. He was. He looked like he was poor for both sides. Chairman Bob uh, finally said missed opportunity, <clears> and his man of the match uh, was <coughs> was uh, two sets of rules. Obviously, you know, people not happy about the refereeing decision in the last minute, which cost us the game. But looking back at the highlights, the Ben Murdoch Masala try, Josh Griffin failed to play the ball correctly, uh, you know, before the actual try. So, is it not swings and roundabouts, Paul? If I'm perfectly honest with you, it probably is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You talk to people that have been going for like 40, 50 years watching Salford, and they probably say no. There's been a lot of games and over the years where we've not got the rub of the green. But I don't know. Sometimes you make your own luck, don't you? And I was disappointed on on Thursday night, but I'm not going to blame the referee for us for us getting beat. There was one incident in the game which I thought you know could have changed it. Greg Johnson. Um, had a chance out wide and he got tackled in touch and I thought if he'd have just gone low there and scored I think that would have made it a different game I'm not too sure what score it was when that happened but I think sometimes there's a fine line isn't there between you know finishing and that if he'd have got over there that Manfredi in the last minute he had the brains to get low and get the ball down you know in what looked an impossible situation so sometimes it's just that extra bit of class and I mean I know they knocked it on but he still had to finish that try at the end didn't he so it's disappointing isn't it but I don't know really. I mean, it, it brings in it brings into speculation as well. A lot of people have been saying about you know the the, the video referee or you know the the, the you know having a, another referee at the game that the, you know they can refer to, whether it's you know on telly or not. But to have somebody there that they can refer to that's with a yeah. monitor and they can look at it and you know say if it's try or no try. Yeah, I, I, I see if that it, was if that was in place, then obviously yeah. we would have got a point out of the game. But do you not think at the moment though the video ref when it's on the on the tele the televised games. How many of them do they get right? It's not foolproof, is it really? I, I don't know. I mean, half the time, it's like the people who are commentating, like Eddie and Steve and the other lads, they're all divided, aren't they? And it's really, you know, 50 50, isn't it? There's never any con- conclusion to. I mean, the, the odd one is if it's like a knock on or something, you can see, but it's still, you know, there's, there's a lot what you think what could be a try, it's not a try. So I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's improved the game having the, the video ref, really, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the problem with the video referee is if you when you slow it down. Yeah, it's not like watching it real time, is it's it? Not, it can look totally different to what it is. Yeah. In, you know, full speed. If you know what I mean, like you know, grounding the ball and that. So, for me, some some of you know sometimes you know you could use it, but then it's how how often do you look at it and really mm-hmm. you know how many camera angles do you, do you really need? Obviously, with, with with Sky, they'll have a cam camera in every corner of the ground and and above the ground and all kinds of places. But if you're gonna think about putting TV cameras at every ground, you're not going to have that same kind of, you know, coverage, are you? You're not going to have a camera in every, each kind of ground and one, no. you know, everywhere. So, you know, would you get that similar kind of, you know, consistency? I know we obviously you say, oh, should we have video referees at every game or just, uh, just on no games? And if you're going to have it at every game, every game needs to be the same for me. Yeah. What do you off. think, uh, Dan? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm tend to agree and, and disagree really you know I think you know the, the easier decisions like the knock on you know with a video referee there he would have took one look at it and gone no try but yeah I do understand what you're saying when it's slowed down you know when the, the game's in, in sort of dispute uh, whether it's a try or not the referee gives it then the video referee doesn't give it or so on and so forth but I think for your clear cut decisions like the one on Thursday night 
like ones you know that we've seen so far this season. Uh, you know, I think it would be be quite handy. But you know, who are we to decide that? <clears> we're just supporters that go week in week out, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. What annoys me, Jeebus, out there is basically that obviously the boys put a massive effort in on on Friday and just unfortunately comes up short. But all obviously we're talking about and everyone what everyone's talking about is a dodgy decision. Where what about? Let's talk about the effort they put in and the commitment and, you know, getting us that close to, you know, after a short turnaround as well, uh, Paul. You know, that, that kind of thing. We, we should be applauding that effort rather than, you know, talking about, you know, an Egypt who makes a bad decision. Yeah, of course we should. I mean, that's that's the closest. I mean, apart from last season. I mean, it's closer than last season. It was in 19-12, last season, 17-12. So, that's one of the closest fixtures we've had there in, like, nearly 18 years. So, so yeah. But just going back to, to video referees and things, I mean... If, in my opinion, really, I'm not a big lover of it. I preferred the game before video refs came in because if you think about it, before they had the video ref, was we talking every week about like loads of ridiculous decisions? We weren't really, was we? So I know technology's moved on and you've got more camera angles and things like that now, but to be honest, you've got a, you've got a referee, you've got two touch judges, you've got two in-goal judges. If they can't get it right between the five of them, I mean, what hope is there for, for a fella in the stand watching it on, on the telly? So if it was if it was down to me, I'd say no, go backwards and scrap it and just have the referee on there. And you know, if there's a controversial decision, there's a controversial decision, and it can't be any more controversial than what it is now. I, I just think it's easier to kind of manipulate a game if it's on the telly. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, yeah. you, you can you know pull a try, stop a try from happening by looking for something that might just not be there, or, or like you said, if you slow it down, it looks like something it's not. Um, and I, I just think, you know, I'm not. We're not going to say, you know, games can get fixed. I'm just saying that if you want a second life, if you want the try not to be scored, there's an opportunity to try and stop it. If that makes sense for me. Yeah, well, it's like now you've got like your video ref now this this season. The, the video referee makes an on-field decision, so he'll say no try and go to the big screen. Well, if you think it's no try, what are you going to the big screen for? Yeah. There must be enough doubt in your mind to say no try, play on. Cause yeah, I think, I, just... I, think it's, I agree with you there, Paul. I totally agree with that because last season there was none of this, it's a try, it's no try. Mm. It was, can you have a look at this and tell me if it's a try or not? Yeah. yeah. You know, the referee didn't make... Uh, I, I'm, I'm with 100% with you on that one. If the referee decided to make a decision there and then, if he's giving it a try or he's saying no try... Well then, he should have the confidence to go. Well, yeah, it's a try. Yeah. Don't if have you, a look at it. I say it's a you, try. If you get the stats at the end of the season for the amount of times the referee said no try, but we have a look at it for me, I bet there's not many where they turn it, where the video ref turns it over, because mm. he's going to go with what he says on the on the pitch. But who knows? We we don't make the, the rules best, up. Before. He should be the best place to judge it if, he, if he's right on top of it. He's, he's right on the play. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it was it's disappointing. Um, that we didn't get the decision, but like I say, swings and roundabouts. You know, hopefully, you know, in a few weeks' time, we'll be talking about uh, another, you know, bad decision which basically we got in our favour. Hopefully, this time we'll get one on Thursday night against Warrington. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. Last <laughs> nice forward pass under the post. Last minute when the video referee <laughs> yeah. breaks down and we, and they can't figure it out, so you have to give us a try anyway. That, that, that'll be good. Benefit uh, the doubt. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. That would. Uh, it's okay. That's so that's the, that's the weekend game. Uh, and now what we'll do, we'll have a look and see what news is, is coming out from the club this week. So, news coming out of the club uh, this week. Marwan Kukash announced uh, that when we play Leeds Rhinos on the 9th of April, they're going to have a nines game, Paul, uh, between us and Leeds. You know, a great uh, thing put forward by the club there, and hopefully that will generate uh, more people coming to the ground. 
Yes, I think it's a good idea that. I mean, it seems to have uh, took off well in Australia, the nines and things like that. And I think on that day, with the game being moved to Saturday as well, you want a bit of a carnival atmosphere, don't you? Especially playing Leeds. It's a it's a big game against Leeds and then, you know, Saturday tea time game, big crowd down there. It's, it's going to be an exciting day and it's, it's always one of the, the fixtures I, I look look forward to playing Leeds. I think, you know, we've got such a bad record against them. I mean, you just look forward to that game, hoping we're going to get something from it. So uh, I'm really excited about that game. It's Grand National Day as well. So there's going to be a lot of like sporting events going on on that day. So uh, let's hope it's a big carnival atmosphere and we get a, a big crowd and uh, turn Leeds over. Yeah, big hat tip for the club, uh, you know, doing a, you know an event like that rather than, you know, organising someone like a celebrity coming down or something like that. You know, it's something that, you know, us fans would, you know, really want to watch because obviously we're all rugby league fans and having that little game, you know, the game on the side as well, you know, adds that little bit extra to the day. Yeah, of course it does. And I mean, you hear people sort of bad-mouthing Marwan a lot, a lot of the times about some of the things he says, but I think he comes up with a lot of good ideas and a lot of initiatives and that, and he's trying to push the, the club forward. And, you know, you've got to admire him for that and you've got to get behind it. So I think it's a good idea and, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to, you know, some of the home games we've got coming up, you know, we've got Warrington this Thursday, we've got some massive games coming up and, you know, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's always exciting being a Salford supporter, but, you know, at the moment, things are looking quite optimistic as well. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, other news, uh, tickets are available still for the game uh, against the Wolves this week and also Castleford away, Paul. Uh, you know, it'd be good to get a good following at Castleford uh, considering our, you know, recent history there. Yes, yeah, I, I, I was looking at my... Uh, a little stat book the other day in uh, 2004 we won there twice when Castleford got relegated and correct me if I'm wrong that's the last time we, we won at Castleford because there was a couple of seasons when they were out of the league and we didn't play them we've had a few we've had a few close games there but we've had a few stuffings as well at Castleford recently and uh, our home record against them is quite poor as well so they have been a bit of a bogey side for us but it is, it's one of the grounds I look forward to going to Castleford it's a ground that's probably not changed in about 40 years it's always been the same they've still got that white fence around the pitch and you know, it's a proper traditional rugby league ground and uh, there's always a cracking atmosphere there. And there's always a decent crowd as well. So, uh, Sunday afternoon, you know, if you haven't been to Castleford before, uh, get down there because it should be a good day out. And hopefully this this season we can uh, we can get a result there as well. Yeah, and get your tickets from the ticket office at the stadium or ring 0161-786-1570. Uh, the club have announced uh, for Thursday only, uh, Catalan uh, tickets will be £15 for adults, £10 for concession, and five pounds for children. Pretty good. The club have decided to obviously drop the prices uh, for the Good Friday game against Catalan Park. Considering obviously Catalan, you know, won't bring many fans. It's an opportunity for the people of Salford to to come down and support support the club. Yeah, of course it is, and it's it's a magical time in the East. I mean, it's something I've always looked forward to. You know, you got two games in quick succession. There's loads of games on the telly as well, and it. It's brilliant. I always put myself a bit of time off work so I can I can watch everything and get to all the games and that. So I can't wait. But with us playing Catalan, I mean, a bit disappointing really because you know as we mentioned last week, it used to be Swinton, Lee teams like that, Wigan, you know, over the Easter period that we play. And this time we've got Catalan and Huddersfield. But you know, to drop the prices now, hopefully we get a decent day weather-wise, and uh, I'm pretty sure we can get a, get a good crowd against Catalan. But the main thing is we get we get a result and. Uh, you know, I think you've got a better chance of getting a good result with a big partisan crowd behind you. So, uh, you know, it's, again, a good initiative from the club, I think. Yeah, we look forward to Good Friday. Hopefully a big crowd uh, to support the boys. Uh, Rob Lou um, has been announced uh, as nominated for the Super League Player of the Month. Paul has been a you know revelation since he's, since he's got the Salford. And obviously to be nominated uh, for the Player of the Month, uh, you know, 
the Super League is watching. Yeah, I'm delighted for him as well because you're always a bit wary, I suppose, when you sign players from overseas and that whether they're going to settle in. And you know, we've had players in the past, haven't we, the last sort of twenty years who we've had a few who've come over and not settled and they've they've been they've looked all right before we signed them and they've come with injuries and things like that. But but Robert Robert hasn't he's come with the right attitude and I've been really impressed with him. He's looked good and he he seems to improve every week. And I think we're going to see some really good performances from this season. Same with um, Ben Murdoch Masola as well. I mean, how good's he been? I mean, that try against uh, against Wigan on Thursday night, the roof nearly come off that stand. It was absolutely fantastic. He come onto that ball, you know, stormed over the line. And the commitment the lad shows as well. I mean, I think someone I can't remember who it was now had a bit of a pop at him on uh, Thursday night. And you know, there's not many players who are going to stand up to him. Most of them move out of the way because he's he's massive and. He's really got the aggression and the, the fire in his belly as well. So, you know, him and Robert Louis, I think, have been really good signings for us. And it's, it's great to see. Yeah, if you want to, want to vote uh, for Robert Louis, uh, you go on the uh, Super League Facebook page. Other nominees are Luke Gale from Castleford, Danny Houghton from Hull, uh, Chris Sando from Warrington, and Corey Thompson for Widness. Um, you know, he's in good company there, Paul, but I've got a feeling, you know, if, if we all get behind him uh, and vote, um, you know, he could come out uh, on top. You can vote up to the third of March. It, it finishes at three p.m. Um, get you know, get on the Facebook and and, and support uh, Rob Lou. Um, him and Craig Kutchap has also been nominated in the uh, Super League Team of the Month. Uh, you know, we've we've had you know good things. Oh, we say a lot of good things about Craig Kutchap, uh, and obviously getting uh, nominated for Team of the Month that shows you know that that he is a you know the class act we know he is. Yeah, well, I was very surprised when um, we was mentioned to be signing um, Craig at the start of the season because, well, in close season, I thought he was a mainstay of Huddersfield's team, really, and really surprised that they'd let a player of his calibre go. Um, I remember when he first came on the scene when he was playing for Bradford and he always really impressed me, you know, good young forward, very good defender, you know, he takes some stopping as well when he takes the ball up and he's settled into to our team really well and the work that he puts in and the minutes he's on the pitch as well, you, you get... You get a lot out of him, and he's got a really good engine, and he, he's the sort of player you know if you're going to finish in that top eight, you need that sort of bloke leading around the pitch, and um, you know he's, he wears his hat on his sleeve, and he works his socks off again on Thursday night against Wigan. So, uh, so yeah, he, he deserves all the accolades, and he's done really well to get in that team of the month. Yeah, so both two sole players in, in team of the month uh, this week, Paul, or this month, Paul. You know it shows that you know we're a club, you know, on the up. If we if we're able to get you know two players in that team. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, last season, I mean, all right, we did all right until about Easter time, but I mean, how many times last last year did we have players in teams of the month and, you know, people talking about us? You know, we, we've, we've transformed it this season, we've turned it round. And I think the main thing is we're letting our rugby league do the talking on the pitch. I mean, there's no point in making silly statements and like Marmon was doing last season, saying daft things. You've got to do it on the pitch. And I think since Tim Sheens has come in with, with Ian Watson, I think that's what they've been doing. They've just been getting their heads down and grafting and, you know, making us supporters proud. And that's all we want to see, like Dan was saying before. Didn't, no one expected us to go and win at Wigan and we didn't, but we saw 100% commitment from the players and that's all we want to see. And, you know, I was proud on... Thursday night coming out of there, I was I was gutted, but I was proud of the lads and proud of what they put in, proud of the way they came back, and that's all we want to see. And I think if we work like that this season, we'll do all right and we'll finish in that top eight. Yeah, the Salford uh, looking up other news. Uh, Salford Red Devils Foundation uh, are running their Salford Devil Coach Education uh, scheme. Uh, Pan Martin uh, is holding a pitch side first aid course. 
uh, at the AJ Bell Stadium. It's from, I think it's from 6 to 8 on the 7th of March. So, obviously, if you're part of an amateur uh, side, uh, contact Danny Barton at the reddevils.net and book yourself on that course. So, uh, you know, it's a good thing, you know, that the, the club are, you know, getting involved in, in their amateur, you know, setup and, and educating the coaches, you know, to make them better coaches. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of amateur sides in the area now, and I think it's brilliant. I think the closer the links with the amateur teams, the better, because though know, that's where the, the future's coming from, and young young lads and uh, you know playing the game in the local area. So yeah, and there's a lot of people who put an awful lot of time into coaching these these teams, and, and they deserve you know all the credit and that. And I think it's great. I mean, you look at teams like Leeds and Wigan, you know, the amateur base in those sort of towns and cities is fantastic, isn't it? And it's no you know. That that's why they they do so well and produce so many young players. Same with St. Helens. So I think you know the, the the best thing we can do is keep keep nourishing these young lads we've got in the academy and the under 19s and the 16s, but work closely with the amateur sides as well. You know, it's that's the way forward for me. Yep. So as you're talking about amateur sides, now we'll uh, we'll have a look and see what our, our amateur sides uh, did this week in uh, the friendlies that they played. Yeah, Salford University beat Hull University 26 points to 10. Manchester University were beaten 26 points to 10 at home to the University of Nottingham. Manchester Met beat Oxford 34 points to 24. Wigan Bulldogs beat Berry Broncos A34-16. There were tries from the Broncos from Kelly, Willis and Matt Speak. Caddy's Ed Rhinos beat Gaswood Stags 19 points to 10 with tries from McNulty Shaw. Three, a hat-trick for Evans and a Hayes drop goal. Uh, Manchester Rangers reserves were beaten 30 points to 16 by Leyland Warriors and Manchester Rangers won away at Clockface by 28 points to 4 with two tries from Ravenscroft, one for Steele, one for Collins and one for Hill. Um, Salford's uh, under-16s beat Castleford Tigers 20 points to 18. There was tries from Mosley, who scored two, Abram, Dupree and two goals from Brennan. The Salford under-19s beat Cumbria Regional Academy, 48 points to nil. There was two tries for Callum, two for Whitaker, one for Hatton, one for Foden, one for Moore, one for Jones, one for Worrell and six goals from Fairhurst. The under-19s are in action again on Saturday the 5th of March when they take on North East Regional Academy away from home with a 2.30 kickoff. Yeah, looking back at the, the under-16s, uh, their win against, was it Castleford? Castleford Tigers, yeah. That, that completed their unbeaten season, Paul. You know, under 16s, you know, doing great guns. They're having a, you know, really good, successful run, and it, you know, it bodes well for the future. Of course it does, yeah. Of course it does. And I mean, we took a bit of stick, didn't we, last season for uh, our academy that doesn't seem to produce any players. But I think if you look in the Super League now, there's quite a few of them knocking about, isn't there? And there's a few at Salford now knocking on the door this this season. I mean, I know young Ryan Lannan wasn't in the side on uh, on Thursday night against Wigan, but he was in the the 19 man squad. Um, and he's he's one that I've been impressed with this season. You've got Niall in the side now, the Warren brothers. You've got people banging on the door, haven't you? Know, and uh, young Wilkinson, the Ucker as well. And there's a few lads out on loan, so it's all good at the moment. There's there's lads there and who are waiting in the wings, and uh, you know it's it's really exciting, really exciting times. Yeah. So uh, that's all our amateur sides for this week, Paul. And now what we'll do, we'll have a listen to what Carlo Napolitano had to say at the second part of his interview with the Devil in the Detail podcast. Devil in the Detail. Different style having to coach, you know, coaching internationally than, than coaching sort of young kids. 
Yeah, of course it is. It always is. Uh, but to be honest, it, even even coaching on a week to week basis and coaching short term is is also different. So take the Italian the, the Italian side when we played. Obviously, it was out of season, but these lads have had a massive workload put on them, and you've got to try and get them up again. You know, to to work uh, to to play international football. You know, and I've always been very in tune with with the needs of the player. I think that's really important. I think Graham, I spent a lot of time with Graham Murray, uh, God rest his soul, you know, and he was a massive mentor for me because he said, listen, if you you actually coach the person and and learn the person, then the player will come out, and I really believe that. So we made an environment uh, based upon having fun, and I think think that, that seriously gets lost in today's professionalism, but... Before you get paid, you got to understand why you were doing it in the first place, and I think that was—I think that's deadly important. And all my time in Australia made made me a better coach, and that's the whole point of why I went out there. So obviously, leading up to a World Cup that was, you know, on the horizon, the Italian team were obviously involved in that. You know, how did it look? Yeah. At, you know, from from going into it, you know, you had uh, an a proud moment for yourself uh, leading yeah. out the Italian team at the AJ Bell and actually getting a win against the English side. You know, how did that feel for you? Oh, beyond words, really. You know that—that's a fairy tale moment. That you know, you don't. Get... It wasn't. It wasn't sort of a, a second stint England team, was it? You had quite a lot of players that were, you know, that went on to, you know, play in the World Cup. Uh, you know, for yeah. the English side, it was quite a sort of a well-drilled side at the time. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Dan. So we, um, so going into that. You know, everyone goes, oh, God, you're an overnight success. And people don't realise that that overnight success took 15 years. You know, uh, the whole point of that in 2010 was getting Mini on board, right? I knew if I got Mini on board, I'd get everyone else. And yeah. I've got a good relationship with Mini. So it, was, it wasn't that hard. I just had to time it right. Because um, Mini came on board. No, he didn't come on, actually. He came on in 2000 and, yeah, 2011 because... In 2010 and 2011, he ended up playing State of Origin. Yeah. And then 2011, the back end of 2011, he announced that he was going to play for Italy. So it was really hard. But once I had him locked in, then it was easy to get the rest of the NRL players. Yeah, so, he's sort of one of them catalyst players, wasn't he? I mean, you know, he was a, a fantastic player, you know, for the Roosters, you know, for Australian national side. And to have him sort of, yeah. you know... In, in tow for you was, you know, a massive advantage. And, you know, the likes of the players now in the Super League, you know, the Josh Mantellatos and, and so on and so forth, you know, they sort of stepped up and, and came yeah. on board, you know, and you had quite a good core group of players there, didn't you? Oh, it was massive. We had 16 NRL players. We had three who were playing in the Super League. You know, um, I had a handful of lads playing in New South Wales Cup, which is a very strong level. I had James Stoutenstall, who uh, came through from Warrington, but he was just a bit too young for us. But... Uh, overall, I had, a, I had a very good, strong squad. You know, in that year, you got to remember, uh, Aidan Guerra and Anthony Minicello won the Premiership. Yeah. You know, and that, that was hard because they were partying hard, which they deserved. Um, and probably did, they didn't do any of the lead-up. I, I just said, listen, enjoy your moment. Uh, make sure you, you check in before we go. And literally turned up on the day uh, that we were leaving. But I didn't have a problem with that because they deserved it. Um, and then we uh, then we started our process, and then the process, yeah, um, it was great because I talked to Steve McNamara and I said, Steve, I'd like uh, us to play a warm-up game against England. He went, sounds brilliant, Carlo, excellent. I said, I got one stipulation that it's played at Salford, <laughs> and he turned around to me and he went, Carlo, I can't, I can't do that. 
And I went, mate, make it happen or the game's not on. <laughs> so we burst out <laughs> laughing. And anyway, I got a call two days later to say it was going to be at Salford. So, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. You reckon, obviously, you know, the Italian success story, do you think uh, possibly there could be a kind of a Super League franchise, you know, in, in the future, down, well, in Italy? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't see why not. Again, it all comes down to money, Rob, unfortunately. You know, money, franchises now cost money. And I, I, they've made a success out of it, out of the Catalans, and I believe it is a success. Look at the calibre of players they're attracting. They might not be playing completely great football right at the moment, but they have got a great calibre of players. I have no reason why. If you take the 16 lads from the NRL, why wouldn't they play for an Italian franchise? Of course they would, you know. But again, it's money. And, um, you know, supporters would, would pencil it in for sure. You know, we're, we're based next to Venice. Why would you not go to Venice for a weekend? Yeah. I think, it's I everything, think you mentioned everything. it there, haven't you? Yeah. A lot of the supporters sort of enjoy the franchise system because a lot of it use it as a holiday and they get to watch their team play as well oh, you know it's, it's, it's set up for for, franchi- for the franchise in Italy you know and uh, we, we, we've been talking about it many times but again it's the, it's the money that uh, the, it's the money that, that they need and, and I've been talking to the National, International Rugby League and I've been saying this for years I said listen apart from the International Rugby League isn't big enough if we want to develop it Imagine if every pound or every dollar from every player who played in the amateur setup in any country went into a pot and then every pound off every player's contract professionally went into a pot and every pound off every ticket went into a pot for international rugby league. We'd have millions to spend. Yeah. And I know for a fact it costs probably €40,000 to really do a good domestic league. So I think I, I did the maths on that. I think 40,000 times 32 is around about 1.4 mil. Yeah. It's not a lot when you talk about in proper development in in the international game, and it, yeah, that 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 proposal I put forward it just gets brushed under the carpet. You talk about obviously de- development, uh, both in Italy and and in England. Uh, the English clubs uh, recently suffered uh, defeat in the World Club Series um, yeah. against the Australian clubs. You know, how far do you think we are behind the, behind the, the Australians? Oh well, you know what, man? I was I was actually flying the flag for the English lads, but I just. Having done a pre-season, I did a pre-season uh, this year uh, b- before I decided to come back home for, for some work reasons and family reasons. I uh, I did the pre-season. I was the assistant coach for North Sydney Bears in the uh, in the New South Wales Cup, but they were the feeder club to South Sydney. And watching that level train and the way their attention to detail is is so particular uh, about the, the attack, about the defence, where you've got to be, and and the desire. Um, it, it's it, it's massive, but I haven't really been exposed for a number of years to the Super League. Um, so, you know, I am going to catch up with Tim and Ian, and, and I really want to come down and watch a few sessions and see if I can help in any way. Um, just on the offshoot, of being with Ian, being a great friend. Um, but I think um, I think you know before the World Club Challenge, would I say it would have been a massive divide? I would have said no. Because I, I believe that we we've turned the corner, but I think the proof's in the pudding. We were beaten by thirty points in all games, um, and we're, we're at home. You know, it's yeah, it's disappointing. But you got to remember, there's more people playing in the Junior Rugby League of Brisbane, Brisbane alone, mm. than there is in the entire UK, which is the main difference. Like I suppose that That's you know, they have you know so many people to pick from, and then you get the cream of the, of the crop who get on top of the you know the average Joes, let's say. 
you know, and then you, and then obviously, at, you know, in England, I suppose you don't really have that. You know, you have the, the best of the best, but they're not as good as the Australian best of the best, if that makes sense. And that's right. And and when you take away because of the Challenge Cup games and how big how long the season goes, um, you know, you, it's hard to put any type of you know, War of the Roses or Exile game in there to try and get that, that level of development. Uh, it really is. So we've just got to keep believing in ourselves. We've got to keep on developing our youngsters. And that comes from the community, which I talked about before. If we can do that in our community, then we can, we can attract more numbers. And if we get more numbers, then we get more quality. It's that simple, really. You spent obviously you spent a lot of time in, in Australia. You know what what Salford's you know Red Devils profile over there. Uh, well, it's it, easy, isn't it? Me and Adrian was the ambassadors of Salford over there. <laughs> <laughs> like no one knew Salford, but I'm telling you, I bet they do now. Yeah. Any opportunity we get, obviously Chris Smith doing so well over there as a as a model and a TV presenter. We're very proud. You know, people come and go. Oh, are you, are you from Manchester or now? We're from Salford. We're very proud of that fact. Um, you know, we're, we're extremely honoured uh, to come from Salford and, and we tell everyone, I, I'll never forget it, we had all the Roosters boys singing Salford songs all the time. So um, it was it was quite, yeah, it's, it's an amazing moment when you're seeing Brian Fletcher, uh, Brad Fittler, you know, singing Salford, Salford. <laughs> and then do the You'd have to get him down song. to a couple of games, Carl. It was hilarious. Yeah, but we'd do it all the time because that was the cry in the pub. You know, and uh, we, we would, you know, Adrian's so revered over there. Moz is, you know, he changed the game over there. Like, I cannot begin to, to tell you how, how, how much he changed the game with, with his uh, aggressive and, and, and his dominant performances. And, you know, I, for one, really think we should be pushing more. We should be pushing Adrian or the powers that be, uh, you know, to give Adrian an MBE or an OBE because, you know, we, we've got an individual here who's done so much for the game. Yet, you know, um, I just think it's been missed out on the New Year's list. Honestly, and I can't, I can't, I scratch my head to understand why. To be honest, I, I read, uh, you know, uh, that you and Chris Smith did did a is it a charity bank ride, 133k? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. I, for uh, for those listeners who obviously don't know me and just think I shave my head every day, I actually don't. <laughs> I uh, I've got alopecia, so I've never I've never grown a hair. Well, I have. But I grew a hair when I was four. Uh, head of hair of when I was four. When I was five, I lost it. Um, and alopecia is one of them conditions that not a lot of people know about. Uh, you know, they just think it's leukemia or cancer, uh, which it isn't. It just, I, I'm not, I just look different. I'm not different in any way, really. So um, I'm, 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 I'm always very healthy. But when I got to Australia, I got asked to be become an ambassador for the Variety Children's Charity. Uh, and they have a uh, an um, alopecia program, and it, I loved it. I really do enjoy it, and I'd love to do something like that in England. But um, Every year they would do a, a bike ride, which was 14 days solid, um, and it would it would go uh, like to the Barrier Reef from Sydney. So it's a massive ride. But me and Chris always used to do the first day. So um, yeah, we, we we did 170 clicks, uh, 170 kilometers uh, in a day, uh, and it was just such a great experience. And you know, I, I really enjoy my bike riding. But yeah, it was a good course. I suppose it's a different kind of, you know, physical activity than, than playing rugby league, having to, you know, obviously be physically able to cycle 70k in a in a day. 170, 170. not 70. I wish it 70. was 70. <laughs> 70, 70. That was a warm up. That. <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? There's a lot of lads now doing it. You know, you, you take. I'm still in touch with Cliff Eccles and Steve Ampson, and um, they're they're on the bike all the time now because as athletes, as you know, rugby league athletes, your, your knees start to get. 
a, a bit sore and you can't you can't bounce on the road like you used to or uh, around around uh, an oval so what you're what you're looking at is jumping on a bike and 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 doing it it's no impact and and, and it's a really good workout so it's it's a way that we can st- keep fit because our engines are still good. We just uh, we it's just our it's just our parts that are worn. We, we had Cliff Eccles on on the show uh, last year. He looked like he could play. Now he was he was looked in, busy, in better physical condition than than he did when he played. In well, he, has, he actually said that on the show, didn't he? Robbie said I'm actually better yeah. uh, physically fit now than I was when I was playing. Oh mate, he, he had a brilliant engine on him, Clifford. Um, he, and he's yeah, yeah. I don't think that'll ever ever leave him. To be totally honest, and, and, and again, it goes for the same of a of a lot of the other lads. Uh, probably not stayed in touch as a, as much as I'd like to, but. When you see them, they're all fit as fiddles. I don't think anyone's really got away from themselves, apart from Blazer. <laughs> uh, obviously, oh. looking at, at Salford Red Devils, Ian Watson, your mate, and Tim Sheens doing doing a fine job at the moment. Couldn't be proud. Couldn't be more proud of them both. I uh, I came when I was over for Christmas because, again, um, you know, I, I didn't intend on coming back. To be totally honest, me, it's my <laughs> uncle who has a business, yeah. and he and it's got a growing business, and he asked me to. Uh, be, become the head of training and performance for his business. Um, I did decide about the day before uh, Sophie were playing Rochdale. Um, so I went down with me and Mars and we walked in and bumped into Ian and we give each other a big hug and I went, hey, I've got some news for you. And then said, listen, I think I'm, I'm coming back. And, and he just burst out laughing and said, honestly, I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll be quite honest. I am absolutely proud of Ian and all his achievements. You know, he was always the forgotten man in rugby league, you know, in regards to playing. He played for Salford twice. And um, I know for a fact he wears his heart on his sleeve. And he, he is one of the most honest individuals you'll ever get. So I know for a fact, I know for a fact he'll do a great job. And you don't get a better mentor, a better mentor than um, than Tim Sheens. You know, he's an Australian coach. He's won, he's won an Australian premiership number of times with Canberra. He's won one with West Tigers, and um, you know his experience talks for himself. And I know for a fact that Ian will actually take that experience and, and use it. And, and it just goes to show their performances after the whole game um, have been amazing. And I've been very fortunate to be at the Saints game and and the, and the Witness game to to watch them. Even though I did think that they nearly threw it away against Witness, but um, we we stuck out stuck it out. Do yeah. you think now, looking at looking at the, the current side, I don't know if you've sort of been following Salford, you know, with the likes of you know Rangi Chase, Gareth Hawk, them type of players. Yeah. Do you think now, sort of getting rid of the the high profile signings and getting you know as Tim as Tim Sheen and Ian Watson said, getting some workhorses at the club that will you know yeah. will work and work and work. Do you think that's sort of changing the mentality of Salford because obviously the, the past sort of two games, you know, St. Sounds of Witness have been fantastic. Yeah, do you know, I've always said this. I went, um, it's better to have a champion team than a team of champions. You know, um, I, I really believe in that. If anyone thinks that they're bigger than the club, they have to go. It's that simple. There's no, there's no ifs or buts. And um, uh, obviously, I, I can't. I don't know Marwin that well. I've never spoken to him really, apart from a brief chat here and there. So I can't really comment. But. Um, I, you know, Marwin probably come out and not probably having the knowledge, you know, went out and just bought these players. Um, and, you know, they are good players. I'm not disputing that. But to be honest, it probably didn't suit our temperament for, for the club that we wanted to build. And the proof was in the pudding because now they're gone. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a fairly good side. I always knew that buying Robert Louis was a good buy. I always knew that. Um, but again, he, he's... 
he's he's linking in with Michael Dobson, amazing at the moment. Um, I think the uh, Murdoch Masala's playing well. Um, you know, Gareth O'Brien's playing outstanding. Um, Johnson was his, his footwork is electric. So now we're putting all these jigsaw pieces together now, and it's starting to form a picture. And I think. You know, you can hold your head up high as a Salford fan. We just need to get more people to the games. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, look, obviously looking at the team now, uh, and obviously looking at the, the form they're in, you reckon you know they could be our, our chance for a, a top top eight finish this season? What do you think? Don't ye har too soon. Well, we've got to uh, we've got to. Uh, the, you know, the biggest problem I have with Salford is that we're never consistent. Mm. We're actually consistently inconsistent, and that's the that's that's the problem with us. And I think um, you know Ian's done really well there, and Tim to make sure that we've we've got two wins off the back. You know, if you would have had a, a loss against Widnes, everyone would have said, "Oh, we've won one, we lost one, we won one, we lost one." You know, it's important that we win all our games at home, and it's important that we we get some consistency there. The the, the biggest probably uh, comment I will have is that um, you know I, I thought our game management going twenty two points up. You know, one percent is like getting getting pinged from the kickoff. You know, there are things you've really got to work on. Your game management at that point is is so crucial. And I thought, we, you know, we was we was pretty we was pretty poor. I, I agree. I suppose you know, I suppose in games like the witness game, it it shows good character that you know you can start well, and then obviously you get you get sort of pulled back, and then you're able to you know find your feet and find your level again and, and finish yeah. the game off. Yeah, that that showed great character. I, I really like. Do you know what I really like on Sunday is that on, at half time, Michael Dobson stopped all the team and and actually talked to all the team individually and uh, sorry collectively as a group um, and had a bit of a chat with him. Now that would have been planned and that that just goes to show the maturity now of where we're going. And I think the biggest thing for us is not to get ahead of ourselves. Take each week as it comes. Make sure the game plan's right, but concentrate on ourselves. It's great doing tip sheets on the opposition, but let's just concentrate on ourselves. And I think, I think Ian, Ian will have him very grounded, and so will Tim. And you know, it's it, as the as the supporters were singing, I can see a, a silver moon rising. And I think I hope I really hope that we can keep it going all the way to the end of the season. So obviously you're back in this country now. Are you looking to get back into the game, Carlo? Uh, I'm not really, I'm not really that fussed. Uh, I've made it quite clear to Ian and Tim that. More than happy to help them out where, wherever I can. But in regards, I've just got to be careful because uh, I'm coming back to my uncle's business here, which is very successful. But it's also um, at a really big point of their career as well. And so, you know, I'm employed to do a job here, and, and um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm currently still at work now, and it's eight o'clock. So, my, my first priority has to be with with my uncle's business, which is a, a very successful family business. So. Uh, that's where my priorities will lie straight away. But where I can, I would love to. Uh, uh, like, I'm a Salford lad. I'm a Salford fan, and if I can help out in any way, shape, or form, uh, then I'm more than happy to. But to be honest, I might not be needed. But I think it's just sometimes good just to say to Ian and Tim, you know, I'm here if you, if you ever need me to do anything. So um, you know, I'll, I'll be there giving support. The only one thing I would like to say about the club is it would be really great to bring back um, what Di Moses put in place as an old boys club. I see too many of the old boys and, and, and they're not really getting invites. And, you know, I really would like it if they could. You know, we got them a blazer, we put them in the public bar and we just, we put them in there and people buy them, buy them pints just to, <laughs> to talk about the old times. I, I think we need to do that. And I think, yeah. um, you know, that's, I don't know, I, I, I can't criticise the club because I've not spoken to them, but that's probably one suggestion I'd put forward. 
Yeah, no, we did uh, obviously Devil in the Detail recently, uh, last season. We brought oh, I remember that, the, yeah, the 96 team back, you know, and you know, that was a fantastic day. And a lot of the players then, you know, the Paul Farber, Mark Lee, Darren Rogers, they all saying, you know, it's this is the first time we sort of had an invite to come back to the club. You know, and it's yeah. been, you know, it was us that sort of made that that happen. And they're saying it's something like that's missing. I mean, I know down the road at Lee, I think they have over 80 members of their old boys club that come every game and they, you know, they tell stories, they talk to people and they're trying to put Lee on the map. And yeah. I totally agree with you there. I think, you know, the, the likes, you know, players like yourself, you know, um, Cliff Eccles, Andy Burgess, all the people that we've had on the show, you know, they've actually said it'd be great to come back to the club on a regular basis and, and just talk about Salford, which is, you know, something that they hold dear to their hearts. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that now we've lost the Willows, which I've not even, do you know what? I've not even gone past it uh, since yeah. it's been pulled down. So, no, I'm, I'm actually, I actually drive around it so I don't have to see yeah, it, to be honest. Exactly. Um, which is it's heartbreaking for me. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. Now the Willows is gone, we need to keep our traditions and we need to keep our heritage because we are, you know, a very strong club with, with proud uh, proud traditions and heritage and, we, and we've got to keep that. So, um, yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not saying that the club's not done it. They may have not thought of it or uh, it may never have been presented to them. So hopefully we, we can we can present that to them and, and, and keep our tradition as, as a very proud Salford and, and English club. Carlo, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. No, anytime, boys. All the best and uh, love the show. It's a great show and uh, keep up the good work. So that was uh, Carl Napolitano. Thanks for the big, big interview uh, for the Devil in Detail podcast, Dan. Uh, you know, what a character. Great guy. Yeah, great guy. And, you know, hopefully he can look at getting back into the, you know, the rugby league with the club. I know he said he's working uh, his uncle's business at the moment, but he's quite keen to lend a helping hand. And I think somebody with his experience, I mean, you know, 15 years at the, you know, Italy, Italy job and a few years at the head coach. And I think somebody like Carlo, a local lad, would be great to have on board. You know, it was great to hear from him again and have a good chat with him. So, yeah, everything was good. Cool. So, obviously, thanks, Carlo, for your big interview on the Devil in the Detail podcast. And now we'll talk about the big game on Thursday against the Warrington Wolves. It's time for the Devil in the Detail's Big Match Preview. So, Thursday night, Warrington Wolves at home. Paul, you know, crucial games. You've got to win your own games if you want to be in that top eight. Certainly, yeah. And we, I don't think we beat Warrington at home for a couple of seasons. I think we've only beaten once at the... AJ Bell that first season we, we had a really good win against them didn't we and since then we've had a, we've had a few hidings off Warrington so they're always they're always tough and the, the start they've made to the season as well I mean they've uh, they've been impressive aren't they winning at Edinley and they had another good win against Wakefield Friday just gone so uh, it's going to be tough but it's a game I think we can win they've got a couple of players out injured I think Gidley's not going to be playing so uh, you know I think it's it's definitely a game especially at home as well we, we can get the two points from Dan, who do you reckon the, the danger man for Warrington? Who should we look out for? Uh, well, this, uh, you know, Craig Sandler looks like he's going to be quite a bit of an handful. You know, he's got a few tries this season already. He seems to be leading them around the park quite well. Um, Chris Hill, you know, the big prop forward, he, he's always getting them on the front foot and, you know, he leads by example. Uh, but, it's you know, it's just, any players that we've got, really, I don't think there's, they've got a player that sort of outbeats, you know, what we've got, if not matches it. So, yeah, it'll be a, a really interesting game on Thursday. But I think, you know, for the performances that we've been putting on, that our home games, like you say, we need to win them. We need to, you know, make the AJ Bella Fortress. And I do think we'll come out with the two points. It's going to be live on Sky. You know, last time we had a Sky game, we battered St. Helens. So let's hope we can do the same. Yeah, Tony Smith uh, coaches uh, Warrington. Uh, Paul, you know, I rate him as, as a top coach in, in Super League. And he's, he's going to be pulling out all the stops, uh, you know, to try and uh, continue the winning run. 
Yeah, certainly he's done a good job at Warrington, I think, you know, since he's since he's gone there. I mean, who was the coach before Tony? Was it Paul Cullen? Yeah. Was there before Tony's brother? Yeah, so, I mean, Paul Cullen's always... Oh, was it that mid-table when he was there? Wanting they never really kicked on. I mean, they spent quite a few few bob, didn't they? But since Tony Smith's gone, they won a few trophies. They won the Challenge Cup three times. They're in the playoffs, aren't they? Nearly every year. So the progress they've they've made and that. I mean, something for us to follow, really. I suppose isn't it? They moved out of Wilderspool, went to a new stadium, and getting good crowds and they're consistent performers. That's some you know we've got to aspire to. But yeah, there's there's some danger man in that side. I mean, you've got to look at the two wingers as well. They played against Wakefield that weekend. Kevin Penny and um, Tom Lynham. They're both really good finishers, so we're going to have to watch out for them. But a lad who I've been impressed with um, this season when I've seen Warrington is um, Ben Curry, the young second rower. He looks a, looks a real handful, and I saw him in the, the game they played against Leeds at Edinburgh at the start of the season. And um, he took some stop in him, so we're going to have to be on our toes. They've got some decent players. Yeah, always a battle with Warrington around the rook. Uh, Daryl Clark, uh, Dan, you know, he's a man to watch. Yeah, he is, and, you know, he. he... He stood out in the Castleford team and, you know, he's had a bit of a difficult time with Warrington uh, last season. Didn't really sort of play to his full potential. You know, had a couple of injuries and I think that the sort of pressure of the big move to Warrington uh, sort of, you know, took over on him. But he seems to have done quite well uh, this season. But, you know, it's like like Paul just uh, spoken and we've had some really good tussles with uh, Warrington over the years, both at Wilderspool, you know, the Willows, the Hollywell Jones and now the AJ Bell. So, you know, regardless of... If it's early doors, I think it's going to be a great fixture. It's going to be a great spectacle. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be a fantastic game to, to be there to watch. Paul, do you reckon there's less pressure or more pressure on Salford considering well, last time out, we, you know, we hammered Saints at home. We'd, now we're in, you know playing against Warrington and fellow, fellow uh, top four side. I wouldn't say there was pressure. I'd say it was expectancy. And it was a bit like that in the witness game. I thought going, you know, sat outside of the bar before that game, you could feel it. People... We're coming there, and I saw people who I'd never seen before there. I saw a friend of mine who who I've never seen at Salford before, and he's he's from Oldham actually, and uh, he decided to come down with his with his lad, and uh, you know come down. And I saw him at the end of the game, and he said, oh, "I'm definitely coming back." And to me, that put a smile on my face. I thought, "God, someone's actually come and been impressed by us." And I think I think that's what what it is now. I think there's a bit of an expectancy there that we were going to do well at home, but I don't think it's I don't think it's pressure really. I mean, Warrington are one of the favourites, aren't they? I mean, people keep saying they are for for finishing top this season and getting to the grand final and they're the, one of their favourite sides. I think they have been for, for the last few years, haven't they, and, and just sort of fell short. So I don't think it's pressure. I think it's, like I said, expectancy. But home games, I mean, we've got to be looking at winning home games. I don't care who it is we play. Everybody at home you've got to, is a winnable game, I think. And um, I don't see any reason why we can't turn Warrington over. Yeah, um, returning with Warrington, we've got Stefan Ratchford, uh, Dan, ex-Red. You know, he's, he's still obviously got a you know, a place in our arts at, at Salford. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a fantastic lad, Steph. He come right through the, you know, the ranks at the club. And, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic player. He's done really, really well since he's gone to Warrington. You know, he suffered that injury in the grand final. So, you know, he's obviously got something to play for. Um, the last time they got to Old Trafford. Uh, and, you know, any player that comes back to their old club, whether they've got good affiliations or bad affiliations, they want to play well, uh, you know, against their old club, as, as anybody would do. But... Yeah, you know, he's got a special place in a lot of Salford uh, fans' hearts and stuff. As I know, the club has got a special place in his heart as well, you know, for giving him his start in, in life as a rugby league player. Uh, and who knows, you know, I know he's quite friendly with the, the good old doctor, so one day, you know, we might see Stefan put on the red shirt again, you know, which I think he would, you know, really like to do. 
uh, later on in his career. So yeah, you know, another player returning to the AJ Bell and to the Salford, you know, set up and he'll know us quite well. Yeah. Uh, so what what do you reckon the score for a prediction, uh, Paul? Oh, I've not really had a chance to think about that. To be honest, I, I don't know really. I, mean, I, keep, I was thinking the other day there's going to be loads of points again, and I thought that about the Wigan game. Um, I was thinking perhaps it won't. Perhaps it'd be a tight one on, on Thursday. But you look at the two sides, don't you? And you think, no, there's going to be points, isn't there? Because Warrington throw the ball about, and we throw the ball about, so it's not going to be a ten all, is it? So off the top of my head, I'm going to. I'm not going to back against us because I never do. So I'm going to go for Salford 32, Warrington. 26. Dan, uh, what do you think? Do you think uh, we've got enough to beat Warrington? Yeah, yeah, I do, and I, you know, I think we'll 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 put on another a great performance on Thursday. I think you know the players will stand up. The disappointment against Wigan last week will all bring them onto victory. And I'm going to go for for us to win uh, 28 points to 16. Okay. Uh, well, for me, Warrington a well drilled side with, with Tony Smith. He's got some you know class players in that side, and we're going to have to be you know. 100% committed and, 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 you know, on farm to, to get a result. Um, after the Wigan performance, I've got a funny feeling, you know, we're going to be able to do similar things against Warrington, especially after beating St. Helens at home in, you know, the previous game. The boys are going to be full of confidence going into that game. So I think uh, Salford are going to win 30 points to 16. Oh, so you're piffing me by two points, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that we'll, you know, we'll start well. Uh, Warrington, because like I say, we have started well last last two or three games. You know, we've, we've had that you know early burst early on. Uh, Warrington will come back because they're a champions team and, and they don't know when they're beaten, but they'll get beat uh, on Thursday night. We'll come up through the other end and uh, end up winning thirty points to sixteen. Yeah, I think the major thing as well is to get the fans down to the stadium. You know, you know, a good crowd, get them down there, get them behind the boys. You know, it can only spur the players on. I know a lot of them have said, you know, the support this season has been fantastic so far. And they love playing in front of, you know, a loud, proud Salford crowd. So let's get them down there. You know, if you can bring a friend along, fantastic. But, you know, let's get bums on seats and let's get, you know, the right fan base in place to support the lads that are doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I think obviously being on Sky uh, and also the home, you know, playing at home, Paul, you know, it's it's kind of a, a massive game, you know, for Salford to perform and show people possibly sat at home or, or just coming for the first time that, you know, we are the real deal this time round. Yeah, it's because, I mean, you talk to people, don't you? I think, you know, there's a lot of floating supporters, isn't there, who watch Salford, or you see people on the internet, and people say to you, oh, yeah, I used to watch Salford, and I, I spoke to loads of people over the years, yeah, I used to go and watch Salford, or whatever, and when they when they played the Willows, and it's just getting people down to this new stadium, but, you know, there's people out there, it's a massive area, isn't it, Manchester Salford, there's loads of people knocking about, so you, you people are going to come and watch a side that are performing and winning, People don't want to be associated. I think this day and age, anyway, people don't want to be associated with a team getting licked every week like we were last season, and you know, seasons gone by. So I think now we've 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 won those two home games. I think if we can Warrington on Thursday's massive. If you can beat Warrington, that's a real sort of statement of intent. That because Warrington are a good side, aren't they? And they're an established sort of top top six side or whatever. And to to knock them off, especially with them being you know favourites this season to do well, I think Thursday's Thursday's massive. We can get a result. Yeah, so hopefully. Uh, we'll get a result on Thursday and continue our march uh, towards a top eight spot. Uh, so thanks for listening to this week's Devil in the Detail, boys. Uh, you know, it was another good podcast worth uh, definitely good, a good listen this week, Paul. Yeah, I enjoyed it, mate. I just hope um, 
this Thursday we can get that result and we don't sort of blow it late on again because uh, that was heartbreaking on uh, on Thursday. But yeah, I enjoyed it, mate, and I can't wait for Thursday. Cool. And uh, got to 500 likes, uh, Dan, on the old Facebook page this week. A great yeah. achievement by us. Yeah, it was. You know, we're certainly podding along. I remember, you know, first coming on the show and there was about 170-something likes and we've grown, you know, since then. But that's, you know, down to all the fans that, that follow the club, follow Devil in the Detail. You know, if you can spread the word and we can get to 600, which is our next aim, you know, get listening, get sharing. And, you know, the more the fans give to us, the more we'll give the fans. Yeah, so thanks for listening to the Devil in the Detail podcast this week. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail, SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at D-I-T-D, S-R-D. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and RLInternetRadio.com. We're also on Instagram now, Devil in the Detail, S-R-D. And looking at the moment, we've got 80 followers. We've been on, well, been on around about two weeks, you know, as a consistent, uh, you know, presence. But, you know, it's, it's starting to grow, uh, Dan, and hopefully, you know, our social media will grow and grow and just like the Facebook page, we'll get a good 500 on there too. Yeah, yeah, like we say, we do, you know, we do, we're fans that do this for the fans. So, you know, another shout out if there is any fans out there that would like to, you know, maybe come on the show or have a little chat, give us any information or anything like that that they want to be put on the show, then, like I say, you can contact us on any of the, the Twitters, the Facebook, Instagram, you know, anything like that. Uh, give us a quick message and, and we'll do our best to get anything on the show for you. Yeah, so thanks for listening to this week's Devil in the Detail. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week.